You're listening to After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production. Hello and welcome to another edition of After the Jack. I'm your host, Tyler Mart, and with me as always in the studio is Brian Nisbet. Brian, uh, how are you this evening? Yeah, very well, thanks Tyler. A bit better than, uh, well, my back's a little bit better than last week, so he is hoping. And uh, Ash Williamson. Ash, uh, welcome to the studio and back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, welcome to all the, the listeners as well. Now, uh, Brian, uh, what's, uh, what's happening this afternoon on the, on the show? What have we got? Well, we're going to have a, a review of Saturday Pennant and then a review of Midweek Pennant. And we've got a special guest who I interviewed prior to the match at East Shepherd and last Friday night. A roaming Brian again. Yeah, roaming Brian. And it's none other than their coach, Brent Reiner. And I was, um, he was a very receptive to the interview and I think the viewers or the listeners will enjoy it later on. Bowled all right on Sunday uh, when I was out there at the uh, Central Goulburn Murray Challenge. And I'll tell you who did bowl well, young Ben Fletcher from Stanhope. I was very impressed as a two, he uh, still has all the all the shots in the book there, and Paul Nichols called him on an upshot uh, to sort of crack an egg, or a bit heavier than crack an egg on a kitty, and he, he pushed it wide, and then um, he pushed the kitty wide, and then drew to it with his next bowl, which is pretty tough to do, especially at that level uh, as a young kid. Yeah, drive, drive the old drive and draw, and uh, great to see Ben get a game for the GV. Um, you know, I think he was probably the last person in. There was a late withdrawal, which I think might have been Paul Warren, um, who didn't play pennant on Saturday again with his calf, and that paved the way for for Ben to be a late call up for the GV, and certainly took the opportunity with both hands. He certainly did. Uh, I didn't have a chance to go and have a look at the the match because I was. Working at Big W, but sounds like the the GV team bollocks uh, exceptionally well. And Murray were competitive, and Central probably just don't cut it. Yeah, that's, the, that's the way it goes. I, I did notice one thing though, Brian. They they were supposed to name the group side after the at the conclusion of the the round robin day or the challenge day, um, but that that wasn't named. Yes, um, I do have some info on that. Uh, well, I've, they, got, I've got a theory, but you, you give the info. Yeah. Oh, they did announce that they're going to announce it at the, uh, the after the regional events uh, on Valentine's Day. Uh, well, my, my theory is that um, they probably had most of the side pretty well picked before the challenge day, um, but some of the people that they intended to name in the side afterwards didn't have uh, the greatest day. So, therefore, if they had have named the side, they would have maybe had egg on their faces. For example, you know, David Dawes would probably be a walk-up start in the, in the group side, but uh, I don't think he won a, won a rink for the day. Um, so, it would have looked maybe a little bit silly if they'd named him in the group side and he hadn't had the best day in the challenge day, Brian. Yeah, it certainly would have. But I think – I don't think they need a – I think you've got to pick the side on their pennant form on Saturday pennant form. Well, exactly. The, the representative games. You don't know some some guys might just treat it as a as a social event. I believe. I don't know how serious some of the bowlers take it. I think the young guys like Betty Fletcher mm. would be really keyed up, but the more mature bowlers. I think it's just another game of bowls. Well, certainly when you look at the makeup of recent group sides, like um, GV tends to dominate the. But what do they pick? Twelve. 12 players, and, and, and Central and Murray would be lucky to have one or two each. So, you know, it's it's great for them to be able to represent the association, and they say that they're going to pick the group side based on this, but I think the reality is that the best bowlers in, in our group at the moment come from the GV, and majority of them put their hands up, you know, pick themselves for the group side, regardless of how, you know, how who performs well on these challenge days. Yeah, I think if you if you're honest, there's got to be fourteen picked from the Goulburn Valley and two from Murray. So yeah, that'd yeah, be the, the twelve twelve person side. Ten from GV, two from Murray. Go yeah. on, Brian. <laughs> uh, Ash, you've got a few other bees in your bonnet this evening, don't you? Yeah, look, I've um, I've been crunching some numbers over the past from the past couple of seasons, and um, I'll, we'll go into a little bit more in depth. Um, 
obviously, you know, Brian and I are both both involved at Shepparton Park, both players, and but we like to think that um, on our podcast, there's there's no fear or favour in terms of who we, um, you know, give our honest assessment and opinions towards. So, you know, just because we play for Shep Park doesn't mean we go easier on on them. And um, I've I've been crunching some numbers. Um, and we'll go into a bit of analysis on where 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 I think Parks sort of at as a club, in, particularly in Division One. Well, I certainly think it goes the other way. Like uh, like your dad coaching in the under fourteens footy is always a bit harder on you, I think. So uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's good to see. Uh, I reckon we uh, we roll straight into a chat with uh, Brent uh, Reiner before we uh, head into the the usual stuff. After the Jack is brought to you by the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. For all your lawn bowling needs, visit Lee and Chantel Wakenshaw at 101 Friar Street, Shepparton, or phone 5821-1556. Welcome to After the Jack. I've got an interview today with Brett Reiner for the program, and he's the new coach at East Shepparton. Welcome to the program, Brent. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thanks for your time. No worries, thanks for your time. You took on a new challenge as coach of the East Shep uh, Club this year and it's a big commitment considering the distance uh, you have to commute from Echuca every time you are required at East Shepparton. Yeah, no, it's um, it was a big commitment. It was, uh, it was pretty honoured. I was pretty honoured actually to get the phone call to uh, be offered the job here at East Shepparton and, uh, you know, it didn't take too long to uh, make up my mind due to playing for the last five or six years in the Camp Basby Valley and uh, the opportunity to play in the GV has been awesome, like it's a lot better competition than, uh, than we were in over at the, uh, in the CVBD, so yeah, no, it was, um, I'm pretty impressed by the facility and the, um, and the competition itself, it's a really good comp. Your previous coaching experience? Uh, zero, mate. Zero, zero. Zero, yep. Yeah. So your CV, where did you start? Your bowling career. I started playing bowls uh, when I was 13 years old at a place called Bandura down in uh, the metro. Yes. Uh, started there, and uh, when I was about 16, I um, Bandura were in Division One then, and uh, Darabin, Matty Flapper asked me to come over and play at Darabin, play second for him. So I went to Darabin for a year. Then Bandura made Premier. I went back to Bandura. Um, we won a Premier League Grand Final. I uh, played third to Lee Schreiner then, and then I ended up over at Mooney Ponds. Uh, I ventured out to Sunbury with Barry Lester, and then went. Um, then had a, had a couple of years off, um, and then ended up at Cranbourne, and then uh, moved up to Echuca. Played three years at Moama, uh, won flags each year. Then went to Echuca, won a flag, and uh, we've been runners up ever since. So haven't missed too many finals since we moved up. up the, no, you've uh, done well, mate. No. I- I know a little uh, chopper at uh, Mandura. Yeah, chopper, chopper. He's a good fella, little chopper. He's and uh, the coach now at uh, Whittlesea, or the manager Nick, down there, Nick, Nick McIntyre, and his father John. I seen John. them playing a final. Yeah, he's he a was good me, bowler. He was my footy coach. He's the one that got us all involved. Myself, Johnny. Nick. Yeah, John McIntyre got myself, Nick, uh, Luke Aello, Adam Galloway. Yep, I played against Luke. Yeah, well, Luke's. Luke, oh, Adams played state bowls, Nick's played state bowls, I played under 25s, and uh, Luke played in the UBC. So, we, um, yeah, we've got a uh, pretty good uh, CV between us all. So. You know, Johnny's got a big fear or something, you know what that is? Yes, it is. He has, um, he has a fear of open spaces, and uh, we he used to drive us to bowls every week on a Saturday, and uh, we were going to Melbourne Bowling Club, and if anyone knows where that, it's in Windsor, uh, in the city, and uh, we'd go from Bundur and we'd have to go to Warrigal Road. It's nowhere near where we had to go, but he knew that way. It was no no bridges and no open spaces. Yeah, he doesn't like going over bridges. No, nah, that's 100% correct. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. unusual. But yeah. he, he's been a fine bowler, and, and Nick's been a, he's been a credit to the game. He used to play with uh, a well-known TV personality now yeah, yeah. and radio in Jesse Ever in the mixed Jesse, pairs. Yes, he did. Yes, he a, fan, did. a really good bowler, Jesse. I don't yeah. know why she just hasn't continued, but... Well. She probably had enough experience when she was young. Yes. But, uh, um, yeah, a great bloke. Uh, you had some misfortune in that top skip, Jeff France quit. I actually saw him today at Big W. Yeah, thanks. Did you tell him he's got to come back next year? Oh, look, mate, I said, are you getting the urge? I said, it's the, it's the biggest news in the Goulburn Valley since I've been playing bowls because 
I swear he was married to a to a lawn bowl. Well, I did try and ring him and get him out of retirement at the start of the year, but uh, I just couldn't uh, twist his arm hard enough. Um, but uh, look, yeah, I've learned a bit this year. Obviously, you know, we're losing. Uh, I think it was seven players out of topside last year. Yeah, so, I was, yeah. Um, that's what I mean. That's a that's a misfortune. You lost Jeff, and yeah. then you lost the Truon boys who correct who got coaxed to the powerhouse <laughs> by Mister. Bradley Orr, the yes. big show. There's no doubt he um, he had his eyes out to, um, or he had his ear glued to who he's going to put in. Um, he wanted some young players in the lineup, and you could see his point of view. But um, it's disappointing they left here when Paul's still here and having a good season. Their father, and because of all the work Daniel put in with the boys, I thought. It was a, a very disappointing to lose players of that calibre. Yeah, well, I uh, when we came over, I, we had a meet the coach day, and I uh, I got introduced to Mac and um, had a good chat with him. And at that stage, Connor was going motorbike riding, and uh, yeah, uh, Mac was undecided what he was doing, and um, then eventually he made his decision, and I rang him up and wished him all the best, and said if it doesn't work out, you're more than welcome to come back, mate. I'd be pretty impressed if you did. But uh, look, you know, but it's been it's been good. It's given opportunity to other players. Um, at our club, um, no one's really been pigeonholed into any position. You play well, you get promoted. Like, uh, obviously, we're doing this now at uh, East Shep on the Friday night before our uh, Friday night game against Tally. Um, there's a young fella playing tonight. He's only 11 years old, Jacob Brighton. Yes, I was going to mention um, Jacob. Yeah, he came across from Echuca with me at the start of the year, and um, he's been playing really well in the two. So, um, good luck to Jake tonight. And uh, Yeah, I endorse that. Good on you, Jake. Looking forward to seeing you bowl. Now, you, you uh, managed to um, recruit Jeff Beatty and his wife, Lee, as well as uh, Jacob Brighton from the uh, city of Echuca. Yep. And uh, Jeff Beatty, according to Jeff Sutcliffe, he rates him very highly as a bowler. Jeff, and if Jeff Sutcliffe says he can bowl, he can bowl. Yeah, Jeff's got a pretty good CV as well, really. He's uh, <laughs> come from up yeah. north. He, he started off, he lived in Echuca, went up to uh, Nambucca Heads, played a lot of bowls up in New South and... Uh, came back and I was at Moama and um, that was the first time I met Jeff and uh, he obviously approached me to come over the year I went over to Echuca and so myself and Matthew Liverton from Moama went yeah, over good bowler. and um, Rodney, uh, Rod Werner, Yes, uh, we all went over to Echuca that year and we ended up winning the flag so it was uh, it was awesome and uh, Jeffro's been, yeah, he's been one of the best skips in the, CV, uh, in the CVBD for a long time and um, he's, uh, doing his, uh, he's doing the same damage uh, here in the uh, GB yeah. so it's been good. And another uh, good mate of mine, um, Wayne Brooks, played at City of Echuca. Brooksy, Brooksy, yeah. Brooksy used to lead for uh, for Jeffro. Um, Brooksy's just uh, retired from bowls this year. He's um, he's taken on, so I've heard, a uh, management of the Kiuna Caravan Park. That'd be right. <laughs> he's a wheeler and dealer, Wayne, isn't he? Yeah. I know his wife, Helen's got a good job. And, yep. Um yeah, they, they, he always calls in the big W just to say hello when he's over this way. Yeah, no, he's a good fellow, Brooksy. Yeah. Now, you've been competitive in Division 1 this season. Yep. In, mo in the losses you've had. But now, you have the big task of winning your last three matches and relying on other teams to assist you in making the finals. You've done your homework, Brian, because I've done mine too. Yeah. And uh, I believe we are still a, a big chance, um, considering that uh, Stan I've had to play... Uh, Shit Park and um, Petura. Golf have to play both of them and then last round they play each other. So we need some results but we need to win. At the end of the day it's out of our hands, not in our control. We can only control what we can control. Um, but look, you know, early on in the season it's obviously, it's it's a long season. Well, longer season. Um, getting, to, they're getting to know each other is a big thing. We have so many changes this year to seven players. Um, it was always going to be difficult but... Um, I don't see we're too far away. Look, you know, um, if it all goes well and we do make it, what's well, fabulous. But um, our second side is a big chance to make the finals as well, considering yeah, that they no, were... Yeah, they've done well. I was just going to mention those as well. Yeah, they so were a Division Three side. You've done they, your homework too, mate. Yes, mate. You're, and, you're uh, a step ahead of me. They moved into uh, the Division Two due to uh, Tatton Hilltop joining. So um, And they're, they're only two points out of the four. So big game tomorrow for them. Um, they've got Marupna and then they've got uh, Kyabram. So hopefully we can get... Uh, the seconds in, and it would be an awesome for the club to do that. It so. would be because they they probably got in on default, but a lot of clubs have done that, haven't won Division Two. And I remember East Shep only got back in because Kai beat us when I was here, my second year at the club. That's going back a few years, and Hilltop never got in when they won a flag when they first 
got back in. And I, I think Maroubin is one of the few sides that have won a pennant that have gone been promoted over the years I've been here. Yeah, look, I mean, at the start of the year, obviously people were talking about, oh, East Shep, they've, you know, they've got in Division 2 by default, as you said, but um, people were talking about getting relegated, but we were just trying to obviously avoid relegation, but obviously right now we're right in the hunt, so um, hopefully I you know, wish all the boys all the best on the weekend and the next two weeks. So do you see this as a more than a one-year contract? I hope so, yeah. I'm yeah. really enjoying it over here. It's fabulous. Good well, you're a good man to interview. You've got plenty of sparkle and uh, enthusiasm. I think that's great, and you're only a young... Bo- How old are you? 38, Brian. Oh, you're only a boy, mate. Yeah, a bit boy. older than Daniel Nichols. Daniel Nichols, he's a young, he's a young whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I feel um, that you need another new skip. I know Ash Law is a good bowler, and I reckon you may need two-thirds and a good leader to go further next season. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah, we're uh, we're a bit light on in the uh, at the top end, just a little bit. Our skippers are, are pretty fair. We're probably missing a couple of thirds, like you said. Um, but look, I mean, we wanted to. We don't want to recruit too many. Obviously, um, you like to build within, and that's what you know. I first said to the club is that we don't want to recruit ten players and make yeah. it difficult because the people who got us there, you're not going to kick them out. It's unfair. But um, look, yeah, we definitely do. We will be looking uh, to recruit next year. Um, I've already got a couple on my mind that I'm, we'll make a sneaky phone call to. And, uh, Why not? Brian Nesbitt might be first on my list. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> I think I may, may play a higher division out here than I do at Shep Park currently, or I hope, you know. But anyway, that's always... It's been my spiritual home, and there's every chance you'll see me out here soon, I would say, sooner than later. Do you think you have most of the players on side? and striving to improve their performance and skills at the club. Yeah, obviously the start of the year was pretty difficult with all the COVID stuff and it was pretty hard to work out training and things like that. So it's been a tough year as a first-year coach. Like, it has been really hard. Um, But, yeah, look, I think everyone's on board. Everyone's pushing in the same direction. I'm not, you know, I'm more of a... um, mental, Not mental side of thing. I'm more of get on the grain and practice. Hands on. If 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 you're playing at this level... You don't really need to be taught how to deliver your bowl. It's more about mental no. than anything. So. It's a one percenters, I think. Like a great friend of mine, Dave Donaldson. Oh, yeah. He used to coach Essendon. Uh, he coached Altona, Flemington, Kensington. He's, there now. He's coached the Flappers. Yes. Yeah. Look, the one percenters. He gave a sportsman's night here, and I've got a few mates. Reckon it's the best interview I've ever done because he was so forthright. I'd heard him on uh, 3UZ in Melbourne yep. when they had a bowl show. Yep. He's talking about all the mercenaries. He said, I've got a team. No one's getting paid except me. Yeah, Dono. And now he, he's a good bloke, Dono, and he, he hates to have a beer with you too, mate. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. He does, he does. I catch up with him all the time. He's cold and dry. He loves them. Yeah, the prestige peers at Noama, I catch up with him there normally yeah, most years. Yeah, no, he's a top bloke. Yep. What do you have to do tonight to win the match against another heavyweight in the comp, Tally Karupna? Obviously, get off to a good start will be a, a really good bonus. Um, we've we've been a bit slow at the blocks of late. Um, exclude last week, the last three or four weeks before that, we've played really good bowls as a team. We've played good team bowls. Look, we've won a couple, lost a couple, but um, tonight, obviously, our leads in seconds. That's where it all starts. As you know, you interviewed Dane last week. I think he said exactly the same yes, thing. Yeah. Your leads in seconds, where it starts. Leave the party tricks to the back end. You you build the head. And the, and the back end will take care of itself. Obviously, um, they've got some good skippers as well. Um, just need balls in the head, mate. That's where it's going to win. So Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. And look, I'd like to uh, thank you very much, Brent, for taking the time to travel, commute from Echuca early to uh, to have this interview with me. And it'll be on after the Jack next week, so make sure you, you tune in. I always listen to you, Brian. Uh, I like to. Uh, I loved your first interview with Daniel. It was good. You picked shit on him the whole night. It was fabulous. No, so. I played a lot of bowls <laughs> with him, and uh, he's he's a fantastic uh, guy to play with. I, no, he's, I, he's been you awesome. Couldn't, you couldn't get a better player. And we, we until he's until uh, we we didn't enter the pairs in uh, Nagambi. He didn't get entered to defend our title, which I can't still can't believe. Um, 
Peter, his uh, brother Paul there from playing of his father, played with Daniel and the rest is history. Yeah, we'll talk about his brother. His brother was quite funny last week. He, his brother showed up here and I actually thought it was Brad Robinson. I said, oh, how come you're not bowling today? So yeah, He's a like good a, bowler. Yeah, I mean, like a deal. But, uh, yeah. If I come here next year, mate, I'll work on him because we both come back here together. Oh, one season. That's all right. We both went straight in and... Probably upset a few people, but he's a great bloke, Peter. And you can lead for me next year, Brian. Yeah, right, mate. I'll right. take you up on that. I'll tell Stacey she's out. Anyway, thanks very much for the interview and all the best tonight. Thanks, thanks very much, Brian. After the Jack is brought to you by the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. For all your lawn bowling needs, visit Lee and Chantal Wakenshaw at 101 Fry Street, Shepparton, or phone 5821 Really good to hear from Brent Rayner there, but uh, was he interviewing Brian or was Brian interviewing him? Oh, geez, he's at it again, Brian Parkinson. He's, he's, geez, his interviews have been outstanding, I think, this year. And even Brent, obviously, you can tell that he he listens to After the Jack every week. He, he re- recalled a few of the interviews you'd done throughout the year, Brian. Yeah, look, as I said, he was probably one of the easiest interviewers, interviewees I've had the experience of working with. He was... Uh, open, uh, he was uh, ready for the interview, and uh, now he's, and it was very a very easy person to talk to. Oh, well, I particularly liked hearing him talk about the fact that you know you, you mentioned to him, um, and we've obviously discussed it a bit on the show about what we think East needs to go to the next level next year, and and he was in full agreement to that. But um, he said, look, we don't want to recruit five or six new players, um, we'd rather build with from within. And and that's the sort of thing, um, you know, the sort of words that you like to hear from a coach, especially a first-year coach of a club. Um, it gives those players who are already at the club a lot of confidence to think, okay, yep, look, if I, um, if I improve a little bit over the off-season, um, that'll be rewarded. And he's, he mentioned that, you know, um, he said players are picked on form if they're going well in the twos they get a game and um, you know it's he doesn't want to bring in a heap of new players and then all of a sudden those people who are already in there get pushed out and feel oh well I'm not really wanted anymore. It's good to hear um, coaches not always playing the straight bat too mm. um, you know if you if you put put it to a, a coach in in you know many sporting comps even at this level that they're probably missing a whole rings worth of, of players to be competitive that mm. they might get their bristle up a bit or um, you know just just play it straight back to the bowler but Brent was um, you know really forthcoming in knowing that you know they're obviously just a bit bit behind the, the top couple of sides but they're not you know, there's no illusions that they're not. Yeah, and I think, like, obviously, the proofs in the pudding are where they're at in the ladder. They're, you know, they're 35 points out of out of the four with, with two rounds remaining. So they basically need a miracle now. Um, and obviously, Brian um, was right to ask him about Jeff France because that was a massive story at the start of the season, the fact that he wasn't going to play bowls anymore when he's been part of their fabric for, you know, decades now. And, you know, he's just the sort of person that, no doubt um, when Brent mentioned he had a few names on the top of his head, he's one that he'll probably work on to get back next season because you, you throw him in the mix as a skipper, all of a sudden you've got Ryan, Beatty, Franz, and then either Daniel Nichols or Ash Lawler, and then you can build your teams around those, so... Spot on there, Ash. Another uh, point he brought up was that, um, you know, being a first-year coach uh, in the the year that we had last year and I suppose are still having with COVID, uh, mm. you know, we probably um, don't don't give the likes of Rayner and Dane Gade and those sort of blokes the, enough slack the, of the fact that they, you know, for the first half of the season, they barely would have been able to... Uh, you know, get together with their uh, their new team, and and you know, it, it takes a bit to build those social bonds. Mm. And someone like Lee Farrell coming in as a first year coach is a lot easier because he's obviously um, well known to the and, to the clubs but, and been there before. Um, you know, having to come in cold and mm. and not be able to, you know, uh, they wouldn't have been able to have many social functions either. So I suppose it's a factor to, to bring in. Yeah, and obviously, uh, as Brian and I know, bowls clubs can be quite fickle uh, environments and can be quite resistant to change. So you bring someone in from the outside the four walls, um, there can be a little bit of resistance and a little bit of um, anxiousness, I guess. So, you know, what's this person going to do? What are they going to bring? Who's going to – who are they going to, you know, um, not give a game anymore? Those sorts of things start getting thrown around um, and then throw COVID in there with all that uncertainty and not being able to get on the front foot early and build those bonds. Um, I, I think he's done a terrific job, um, you know, of, of – Built, um, trying to build the club um, back up to where it was a couple of years ago, making a grand final. 
Yeah, he's definitely on the right track, and with the material he had, uh, some players have got an opportunity to play Division One. They'll only be better for it. Excellent. Yeah. And I believe that they'd be silly if they if they lose if they didn't reappoint him. They'd lose Jeff Beatty and his wife, who and is Jacob. a very handy bowler, and young Jacob Brighton, who I'll mention later. Yeah. So East have got to um, reappoint him for sure if they want to advance next season. Yeah, well, I'm not sure, Tyler. When when you did the um, the story with him about him being appointed, was it a, a multi year uh, agreement or? Uh, I'm not too sure if it was uh, specifically spoken about. Yeah. at the start, but uh, he's certainly keen to hang around. And you know, certainly as you know, you mentioned he's brought in Jeff Beattie and, and and Jeff's wife Lee, and then Jacob Brighton, and then himself. So there's four players he's brought in. That's a good platform to build on for the next year and um, you know sometimes you need that first season to work out what you need to get to where you know get take get to the next level and no doubt he's obviously thinking about that already looking ahead next season to just get a couple more maybe two or three more to build again and go to the next step and then hopefully further than that yeah I, I agree with your sentiments exactly yeah all right, well, we'll move into our weekend pennant round 12 review from the Saturday just gone. Uh, looking at Division 6, the final four appears set with two rounds remaining. We've got Seymour VRI runaway leaders on 120, Nagambi in second on 88, Tat Hill top third on 80, and Shep Park 78. Position second, third, and fourth can change, and um, Seymour VRI win the minor premiership. Looking at last Saturday's round, Park had an easy win by 34 against Rushy. Uh, in the match of the round, Seymour VRI at home defeated Nagambi in second by only three shots, so that was a, a barn burner. Marupna Golf, bottom side, defeated Tat Hilltop third by eight uh, by two Sorry, at home in the biggest upset of the round, and Avenal had a bye. Uh, looking at Division 5, um, so we've got Tat Hilltop Blue seventh uh, beat... Uh, or, who did they beat, Brian? They overtook ninth. I'm not too sure there. But we've got Marupna Golf on top, 138 points. Tally second, 120. Tat Hilltop Red, 96. Euroa, 88. Stanhope is in fifth on 77. Colbo is sixth on 73. The only two outside the four that can jump in. Tally second. Um, they ran up a cricket score, 121 to Stanhope's 43. A 78-shot margin. Massive day on the greens. Colbo at home. Went down to Yaroa fourth by five shots, putting a dent in their finals hopes. Yaroa is now 11 points clear of fifth place Stanhope. Tat Hilltop Red had the bye. So still a little bit of interest uh, in Div 5 with that last final spot. Division 4, East Shepparton and Pink eighth defeated uh, previously sixth place Park and dented their finals hopes by four shots. Uh, there was two rinks each, but Park were starting to build a bit of momentum. That was stopped by East Shepparton and Pink on the weekend. Tad Hilltop fourth, whitewashed Merrigan, who slipped to 10th and out of the finals race. Yaroa fifth, thumped Murchison, who slipped to 11th in another whitewash at Murch. Yaroa's now only three points behind Tad Hilltop uh, in fourth. Stanhope third, defeated uh, East Shep Lime by 21 shots, 16-2 to keep third spot, but only seven points clear of fifth place Jeroa. Um, Avenal uh, now top. They beat second place Kai by 41 shots at home, 18-0, and um, have firmed as the premiership favourites, which is good for a small club like Avenal to be uh, up that high in Div 4. Shep Golf went down to Seymour by 68 shots in an annihilation and Seymour's now 11 points out of the top four with two rounds to play. So that's our um, really interesting comp there, Division 4. The ladder's been tight all year. Division 3, Marupna Golf, uh, second by one. Uh, they won by one shot over fourth place tally in a ripper at Marupna Golf. Another great contest, fifth place Shep Golf, or seventh place Shep Golf went down at home by three to the top side Seymour. Two rinks each. Seymour looks the flag favourites there. Marupna got two rinks against third place Tat Hilltop in an improved performance. And Park sixth, one by 20 over bottom side Dookie at Dookie, 17-1. Neil Swainston drew with Ronnie Holland. So it looks like um, Park Div 3, Brian, are they out of relegation safety? Oh, yeah, we're 50 points clear now of, uh, of oh, 30 ahead of Dookie with two rounds to go. So it'll be... 
pretty stiff to... Um, yeah, and you, you think about the close results you had before Christmas, you could be closer to the four, really. Lost five games by 13 shots, but that's that's lawn bowls. That, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you finally have a rink win, Brian? Yeah, had a rink win, mate. And the first win I've played in overall, so it was very <laughs> pleasing. Fantastic. Uh, Division 2, Kai fell out of the four when they lost by 13 to uh, topside Shep Golf. Shep Park, the the the, um, the Bolters here, they, they took Kyburn's spot in the four, defeated Rushworth by 12 shots at Rushworth. Uh, Greg Williamson had a massive win over Bruce Wooten. He was well down early um, and won 11 of the last 12 ends, and that was the crucial result. I think he won by 11 and they won by 12 overall. Was that on grass too? They played on the grass at Rushy there, which from, from all reports was running reasonably well. Um, so... Yeah, uh, Rushworth still looking, um, you know, a tr- couple more chances to get uh, another win for the season. Marupna kept third spot, defeating East, who are now six by nine. Uh, but they won three rinks to one, so 16 points was very handy there for Tyler's mob Marupna. Tad Hilltop smashing again at home by an impressive 60 shots. Merv Knight won by 32. And Paul Bart Newman by uh, nine. And Ray Salwood won by 15 while uh, Rob Page got two points for Nagambi. So Shep Park, the big movers there, and they play bottom side Nagambi at Nagambi this week. So if they can win that, they can nearly sew up an unlikely final spot because I reckon about three weeks ago we'd nearly written them off, Brian. Yes, we had. Division 1. So um, we spoke to Brent Ryan. Brian spoke to Brent Reiner on Friday night under lights at East Shepparton on a stormy, thundery, balmy night in tight contest. Tally's class just edged them in front at the end by nine shots. They did win three rinks to one. Jeff Beattie's rink was mightily impressive, 20 shots over um, Brett Gunning. And that's two big losses in a row for Brett Gunning's rink. I noticed he had... Mick Hanna is his third for the first time. Um, and Jeff Beattie's rink was uh, far too good on the night. The highlight obviously being uh, Jeff's grandson, Jacob Brighton, aged 11, uh, was playing his first Division One game, played second, and oh, he, he was quite brilliant, I thought. He was a star of the night. His blue bowls, aqua blue. Yep. They um, We looked across. I was on the far side, and... Um, Boxer Brody was sitting next to me for some time, and he said, "Look, that blue bowls are in there again. The little fella, he's yep, he's only knee high to a grasshopper too." Yeah, yep, and you know he he's got a beautiful. As we mentioned before, he's got a beautiful delivery. He's obviously been coached very well, probably by uh, Jeff or maybe Lee as well. Um, and you know he's playing second against Matty O'Connor. He's had a reasonable year, and he's a good, um, solid player for Tally. But um, he was just getting them closer all, all night and obviously set up Jeff. Um, and, you know, his ring, uh, Chris Johnson led exceptionally well um, and Paul Truen playing third. Um, and they, they they just had no answers, Brett Gunning's rink. And it uh, looked like, you know, for the vast majority of the game, t- um, East had their nose in front because um, um, Daniel Nichols was well up against Mark Ryan uh, and they were ahead overall with those two big rink margins. Um, and then Mark managed to get three on the last end to win by two. And then Mitch Sidebottom had another night out against um, Brent Reiner and Matt Robinson beat Ash Lawler and they were able to get up by nine overall. Yeah, Matty Robertson, uh, that was the closest rink to us. He was very impressive. Uh, I, bull- I, I stand corrected, but I don't think Matty's lost a game skipping out at, uh, at East Shepparton on whatever carpets... He's played on. He just seems to handle that carpet exceptionally well. Yep. And there was no no um, difference last Friday night. It's great to see uh, young bowlers getting a go, especially at the top level. Uh, I wonder if Jeff's paying his fines, though, because he was on the back page a few weeks ago uh, uh, with his very, very nice delivery action by the looks of the, the pitcher. So they've got a fine system, do they, Shep? Oh, surely. So uh, who's who's going to oh, – Jacob's only 11. I don't know how much pocket money he gets, but I've, I'm fair to say he'll be in the paper a fair, fair bit uh, the way he's bowling and uh, he keeps that up in Division 1. His picture will be in the paper for many years to come. It's certainly good to see. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention as well, Mitch Sidebottom, I mean, I know it's – you know, you, you're playing a rink of four – but the way he played on Friday night against Reiner, and I, th- I think Brennan probably agree. Like he, at one stage there, he was just patting Mitch on the back. Like he was powerless to stop some of the shots he was playing. And I'd love to know, like, 
you can't just put it all down to one play in a rink. But I reckon he's probably won overall tally probably two or three games this year. He definitely won tally the overall against Chet Park. He just was far too good for Josh Warren and won by about 17, and that was a massive difference overall. Um, and on Friday night when they were getting beaten overall with the two other rinks that were well down, Mitch just kept him in the game, and so did Robbo to a certain extent as well. Some of the shots they were playing were just unbelievable. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Mitch because oh, I overlooked him. I watched Matty. Matty was very good, but Mitch, uh, when I went over the other, I went and sat behind at the other end where they do the, where the scoreboards were, the um, just the rink scoreboards. These red bowls were, yeah, as you said, he 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 had a night out. Brenton Ryder tried his hardest, but mm. um, you know he was just a class above. And, and, and I think Mitch um, is really vibing well with his third, Joe Leah, at the moment. Since Joey's gone over there, they've been really hard to stop. And um, Hummer Hummer, well, he's, he's known as Hummer, but they're calling him Hummer Hummer after the racehorse. Um, but that's all I heard a lot of the night was, you know, they would, they'd be down and all of a sudden you hear Hummer Hummer and he'd converted the head. And then Mitch would just add another one or move the jack and you know, they're going to be really hard to beat for the rest of the year if they can keep that rink intact. I'd imagine he uh, enjoys the Friday night games too, so he can uh, oh. really delve into the form throughout a Saturday. Well, Mitch Mitch uh, has been known to sort of get his rent a crowd to these big sort of occasions, whether it's Vic Opens or Friday night games. Um, he does. He, he's, he's almost like the junior big show. He loves a big occasion, Mitch. So, um, yeah, he certainly lived up to it last Friday night. Moving on to Shep Golf, went to 11 out of 11 for the year uh, and obviously one heat out, one by 19 over Tat Hilltop at home. John Gribble lost to Russell Locke by 10, but uh, Brad Org, David Dawes and Chris Ferguson were all comfortable winners to get the overall. Kybram bounced back with a good away win at Euroa by 26 to keep um, their finals pulse, still beating just slightly 16-2. Um, still a mathematical finals chance if they can win their last two matches against Tad Hill Top this Saturday and then East at home. Uh, Greg Schilling had a big win. Glenn Fields won by one. And Rob George continued his magnificent season, winning by 10. Mark Stevens had his first win as a skipper for Euroa, so well done to Mark. And I've left this game um, to last on purpose. Stanhope, too good for finals bound. Uh, Shepparton Park by five shots at home. Jeff Mulcahy kept his unbeaten record intact, uh, won his fifth match out of five over Paul Nichols, and Brad Robinson uh, won by 18 over Dennis Beck. Dennis Smythe won by two, um, picked up a, a couple on the last end to get the best of Shane Walsh, and Josh Warren had a really good win um, to earn four points for Shepparton and Park, but bitterly disappointing result, Brian. Um, just the, the little moments with Park in, in those sorts of games like go back to the grand final last year and just not finishing off games. Um, we were seven up overall, uh, close to the end of the match. Dennis Beck's rink dropped a six, so all of a sudden we won up overall and we lost sort of a few ends on the way in. And just those small things um, that happen in games and they just don't seem to fall our way. And it's um, some of it might be a pressure thing. Some of it might be just not reading the overall situation of the game. Um, and I've, I've crunched the numbers and we know that Park's Achilles heel is playing on quick grass surfaces and, you know, obviously our grass um, is much different to a lot of the other grass greens in the region and it's just ca- caught us out far too often, I think, and um, it's sort of something that needs to be brought to light. I've looked back at the last two seasons and looked at Park's results at home on the, on the magic carpet, on the fortress, compared to away against those clubs that have got grass green. So looking at 2019, against Jaroa, they won by three at home and four away. So there's a difference of minus one. So not really much difference there. Then you look at Kai Abram, won by 31 shots at home and only won by five away. So that's a 26-shot difference, carpet to grass. Shep Golf, here's the big one, 2019. Lost by 63 at golf on the quick grass. One by 10 at home. That's a 73-shot difference, carpet to grass. Hilltop, now this is an anomaly here, lost by 10 at home, one by six away, so minus 16. Nagambi, one by 70 at home. Oh, that's, sorry, that's synthetic um, and east as well. Stanhope, they didn't play at home last year. The game was washed out when Park was miles up. It was halfway through the game, so they would have won that easy. 
And last year, again, lost by five on grass. So that would have been a huge difference. And you look at this year again, Kyabram, one by two at home, one by six away, minus four, not much difference. Tally, lost by 55 on the grass at Tally, one by 13, uh, lost by 13 at home, 42 shot difference. Yaroa, one by 29 at home, lost by five away on their grass, 34 shot difference. Stanhope, one by 30 at home, lost by five away last Saturday, 35 shot difference. And we've still got data to come in from golf and hilltop. Like we lost by 46 against golf on their grass, and we play them this Friday on carpet. Massive discrepancy, carpet to grass. We just can't, can't handle it. I think it's not only the surface as well, but the conditions. Obviously, the carpet is under the roof. Um, it, it allows, uh, you know, the, the older... Um, uh, the, you know, there's no denying that Shep Park's probably got the uh, the, the oldest average age of the, the top division. Without doubt, yep. apart, apart from maybe Uroa. Um, and it, it allows them a bit more rest. You know, they're not in the beating sun all day. But a, a quick grass green, the, the match itself obviously takes longer. You know, half an hour, up to 45 minutes longer mm. to complete. And I think in 25-end matches, mm. those last five ends are the most crucial. And it's those last five ends where... You know, the concentration's not quite there. You're, mm. you're looking across to the bar for the first beer or you're, you're really struggling with the heat. And I, I think that comes into it as well, not just the surface, but you know, the overall conditions. And uh, other clubs know that. The golf exploits it every time you play them on mm. grass. Like, it, it's pretty clear. But, um, you know, it's obviously something that, that is a really, tre- a really big trend. And no greater example, obviously, than the grand final last year. Park were home and hosed with 10 or so ends to go. And that last little bit, um, you know, lot, pretty hot day, long day, um, golf slowing the game down to their pace and, and, and doing it quite deliberately within the rules, mind you. Um, and it's just those big pressure moments on grass that Park just sort of can't seem to get over the hill. And it's it's frustrating being involved, you know, when it's like that. But um, the proof's in the pudding. The data's there, Brian. Yeah, it certainly is. I think uh, you've raised some very pertinent points there. And particularly, and even and Tyler, his um, summation of it, I think that the extra hour possibly in some games, or close to it, and the older members of the team, and they're outside, not inside, enjoying the comfort of the, the roof and everything, and uh, their favourite surface, mm. obviously. That's got a... If you, I'd be interested to see how many... Um, how much what the discrepancy is or the differential in the last five ends of their games on grass or the last 20 ends yeah. of each match. That'd be worth having a look at too. Well, you, I reckon you'd find the overall difference, um, Would a lot of that would come in those last five ends. Like you look at the grand final last year, um, you know, that's that's where all the shot difference was made up because, you know, whether it's tightness or whatever. And the other issue is too, and, um, you know, like we we just we don't practice on on those quicker surfaces, and that sort of we get to a Saturday and it really catches us out and takes far too long to adjust. Like um, Paul Nichols's rink, I've been in. We've lost our last three, and on the weekend we were ten down at Smoker, and we actually got back to level. But you know, um, if you're giving giving rinks a head start each week on quicker surfaces, very hard to reel in. I think East Shep's got a similar problem as well. Yeah. You look at the time Stanhope's beating them over there on their fast green and what happened in the final last year. Yeah. Murray Stark, he um, he prepared a 17-second green mm. and I believe um, Walsh and them were laughing at the pace of the green before the match and he nearly picked Stanhope with the conditions and they just played, played it like their home green. And they nearly caught Park out in the prelim too. Like, Park were miles in front, and I think they only ended up winning by 11 or 9 shots or yeah, something. they came St- back after smoke, oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, Santa made a heap of ground. It's a good segue into this weekend's previews uh, with golf and Park being under lights on Friday night to um, you know assess what difference that might make. Obviously, golf's uh, had a few issues with... Friday night games in of recent times. Uh, yeah, well, I mean um, that that shot difference from last year seventy three. I mean they actually Park actually upset them under lights last year. So, um, are we going to go into that now, Brian? The preview for Saturday, or are we going to go midweek? I'll just do a midweek review. Yep, uh, we try and give uh, the both Saturday and midweek equal coverage if we can. Yep, uh, round thirteen, the penultimate round, Division Five. In the match to round, Catandra West defeated 
Dukey by 13 shots and replaced him on top. Colbo fourth finished Avonal's faint finals hopes when they had a good win by 15. Seymour six defeated Rushy by 15. Kai third, Frash Marupna golf last. And Yarrow fifth had to buy. In Division 4, Park Rose third by eight over Park Plum. East Blue sixth, defeated Merrigan second by 10. A bit of an upset there. Tad Hill top fourth by 36 over East Green eighth. And Murchison fifth inflected Nagambi, who were on who hadn't been defeated, their first uh, defeat by nine at home. Keeps their finals hopes alive. In Division three, Kai fourth, Thrash Marupna six by forty shots. Yarrow fifth in the match of the round went down to Stanhope third by forty three at home in a uh, telling loss. East fifth defeated Marupna Golf second in the upset of the round and are now only one point outside the top four. Shep Park top by nine over bottom side Shep Golf, and only for Keith Dudley's big rink win, um, they would have went down. So they lost the other two rinks. Division two, Shep Golf, 28 over bottom Seymour. In the match of the round, Avonal second at home, went down by 11 to East Shepparton, who are on top. Hilltop Red Thump fellow blue team by 43, 16 zip. Yarrow 6 defeated Kai 4th in an upset. But the 4 was settled the previous round. In Division 1, Hilltop went to 3rd when they defeated Kai 4th. I picked that one, boys. So yep, they're peaking at the right time. It was a whitewash by 17. Park 10, 16 zip over gold by 25. A they sort of increased the margin um, on the last time they met. Shep Golf second, also 16 zip by 32 shots. Uh, um, and Seymour, Shep Golf defeated Marupna Golf, and Seymour 14 2 by 23 shots over Rushworth. The stay in the hunt. Yeah, but that rink they dropped uh, to Jean Sprague might come back to haunt them. I think it's nine points of difference. It is. Um, so, you know, I think they've got Merton Golf this week. So uh, they'll need all 18 to try and get back up in there. Yeah, and it'd be a bit of a fall from grace considering they were, you know, well entrenched in the top four for most of the regular season. They've only just slipped out the past couple of weeks and, you know, they've had some big wins at home. Um, but this home stretch has sort of um, found them a little bit wanting. Um, the interesting one was, so was it Kai dropped from like second or first to fourth mm. with that lost first to Hill? fourth. Yeah, and now Park's on top. So um, that has, that top four makeup could change drastically in the last round. It certainly can, Ash. Uh, weekend preview, round 13. Uh the second last round, penultimate round. Marupna Golf in Division 6, this is. Last host, Avonal 5th. Marupna Golf um, defeated Tad Hilltop last round and will notch another victory at home. Tad Hilltop 3rd had the chance to get the double chance when they host Nagambi 2nd and Hilltop. But Nagambi on form to win. Seymour VRI safely on top. Uh, host 4th, Shep Park at home and it will be too strong. In this clash, Division Five, we've got Tad Hilltop third versus Hilltop Blue sixth, or Tad Hilltop Blue at Tatura and Red to win. Dukey last host Kai and Kai to have a big win. Marupna Golf for the flag favourites, and in a grand final preview, should win. Make sure you get a haircut, uh, spruce up a bit if you're in Div Five and Six at Marupna Golf this weekend. That's where the photographer's heading. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> Good to know. I remember that. Um, and Stanhope fifth, played Colbo sixth. Uh, match it around, and a win is vital for both sides if they want to um, get into the postseason action. Yarrower in fourth could slip out of the four as they endure the bye. Now, the grand the, final Mar- preview isn't Marupna the match Golf of the are playing tally actually in that um, <laughs> game. Sorry, grand no final way, grand final preview is not the match of the round. No, it isn't, mate. We'll, um, wait, we'll wait to the granny for that one. Only raided second. Colbo got the nod. <laughs> in uh, Division 4, we've, we've got thrown him now. Shep Golf last. First Park 7th, who need an 18-love result to stay in the finals race. I'm picking Park to have a big win. 
Seymour six first Abenal. Top, Abenor in top form, thrashing second, Kai last round, should end Seymour's final hopes. Kai second versus Stanhope fourth. After a blip last week, Kai should bounce back at home in another crucial match, re-finals participation. East Lyme ninth first, Merchants 11th at East and Lyme at home to win. In the match at around, Yaroa fifth played Tathill top fourth at Yaroa. Both teams coming off big wins last round and at home I like Yaroa to win. Merrigan 10th had dropped off the pace and face a winning East Shepherd and Pink from last round, and Pink can win again. Division 3, Dookie last are desperate for a win to avoid relegation when they host 5th place Shep Golf, who will be looking to get all 18 points as they trail 2 points behind 4th place Telly. Shep Golf 16-2. Park host Hilltop on the carpet and will be confident they can notch another win only losing to Tad Hilltop by five last time at Hilltop. Tally fourth will defeat Marupna easily at home, 16-2, and hold their spot. The match at around, Seymour hosts Marupna Golf at home, the top two sides that have been uh, playing on grass recently. We yep. played on grass down now. I think it's been a good move. Uh, the green's good, and home green advantage will see them win and finish top pre-finals. Well, they've certainly got the players that can adjust to the grass greens. Robbie Baldwin, Max Hammond, Dale Salick and the like. So I'd I'll, I'll agree with you there. Back him in. In Division 2, Tad Hill top second versus Marupna third. Match it around. Marupna need at least four points from match to consolidate their position in the four. In case other games go against them. Tad Hill top too good at home though. 14-4. Uh, Shep Park fourth will be after an 18-zip win to stay in the four and will prove too strong for an underman, Nagambi. The only rink I'll give it real chance is Robbie Page, but I think Park's good enough to win 18-zip. Shep Golf at home will dominate proceedings against Rushy, who did extend the Parker's last match, however. East Shep six play Kai, who are fifth. The winner stays in the hunt. The loser's season is all over. Kai is my selection in the nail-biter. Now, Division 1. Yes, Yaroa play East at home, and I'm going for East. I picked Yaroa last week. I thought they were a bit disappointing after they won two in a row, but uh, we've got to give credit to Kai Abram, and I think uh, East will win this uh, 14-4. They need all 18 to stay uh, mathematically in the hunt for finals, Brian. I don't think they'll get... I don't think they'll get... Uh, they might get 16-2, but I think Yaroa will win at least one rink. I'm, I'm actually going for Yaroa uh, in this one at home. I think their recent form's been, you know, strong enough to win a game like this. And I, I'm not sure... I haven't seen teams come in, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe East puts a couple down to the twos to try and get them in because they're probably a little bit more of a chance of playing finals than in the ones. Well, my good mate there, uh, Graham Barber, while well, you were still on that match, congratulations, Graham. He's skipping uh, this week. Daniel Nichols is going to be third. Uh, and uh, good luck to him. He deserves a go in the top spot, and I'm sure he'll get a lot of... Um, a lot of pleasure out of skipping a, a rink in Division One. Well, he'd be the he'd be one of the fittest blokes. While well, he was playing third last week, I would say the fittest third in the GV. The way he runs up and down the greens. If I'm running up and down the green at his age, I'll be happy. Yeah, not bad for a seventy-year-old mate. Oh, making, he, oh, I wouldn't try and um, you know, saying bolt like up and down the green. Yeah, yeah. I'd like oh. to see you chasing a few bowls tonight at uh, Kai Abram Social Bowls, please, Brian. That's very much. you're filling in for me. <laughs> I certainly, uh, I'll be trying anyway. I don't know about chasing any. <laughs> uh, so, Tyler, you're picking that match? Uh, East, 18-0. Yep. Kai play Hilltop at Kai Abram. And after their good win last week, Kai Abram mathematically got a chance. Hilltop, um, nothing really riding on the game for them. I think uh, I'm going to go for Kai to win 14-4 in an upset. Nothing riding on it. Second. If Kai wins uh, 18-0, they'll be breathing down their necks. Because we're le- uh, Park's level on points with and, Tat. And as Ash said... Uh, well, I don't think they'll win 18-zip. I'm going 14-4 for Tat Kai. still needs uh, to try and get up in that second spot to try and get the double chance, I think. Uh, and, you know, 
a free shot at golf for a, for a ticket to the grand final, uh, you wouldn't say no. Couple no. a couple of little interesting tweaks with Hilltops um, rinks this week. Josh Cartwright's moved away from playing uh, in his father David's rink, and he's going to play second to Lee Farrell. Um, and Peter Lasseur has a new second. Um, he's got Nick Boyd playing second for him, which means Brian Colston, who's been playing quite well for Peter, moves over to second for David Cartwright. So shuffling a couple of deck chairs there. Jeff McNaughton in the in the twos for the second straight week. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, well there's only so well, there's only two more rounds left, so I'm not sure Jeff McNaughton will qualify for the twos if that's the case. So I'm not sure whether he'll force his way back into Division 1 before final starts, but a couple of little interesting tweaks there. Otherwise, you'd be one of those unfortunate players who misses out on a game. Mm. Speaking of uh, Kyabram, we better give Jockey McInnes a bit of a shout-out for winning the Golden Valley Bush Bash League fantasy competition. Uh, He said the young fella needed a new cricket bat, so... He's got a kookaburra vow to go in his way and a bit of cold, hard cash. Always a good supporter of the uh, McPherson Media Fantasy Competitions, Paul McInnes, isn't he? Certainly yeah, is. And, good a, on and a astute listener of uh, After the Jack. He always messages me if I'm a bit late putting it up just to keep <laughs> me on my toes, which is, uh, which is good. Well, I've got Kai 14-4. What are your selections there? Uh, Tat Hilltop 16-2. Kai 16-2 for mine. Kai? Yeah, mate. You always got to tip the uh, the better story. That's why I'm last. Oh, good on you, mate. <laughs> Shep Park plays Shep Golf under lights Friday night. Six thirty p.m. start. Six thirty p.m. start on their fortress at Park, and despite a few selectional changes, I think Park can get the job done in a close one by two shots. It's a new word, Brian. Selectual. Fourteen four. <laughs> Sounds a bit salacious. Yeah, look, just on the um, on the selection of the sides this week, um, a bit bit controversial, probably a, a little bit mind boggling for mine. Um, Phil McCann, who played the first half of the season, um, had a knee injury. He's actually had an operation on his knee and hasn't played a game after Christmas. Um, went for a roll on Monday night um, and then practiced on Tuesday. Paul Nichols had a look at him. Um, so he made himself available to play with two rounds left in the regular season. Um, and the selectors, in their wisdom, put him straight back in Division 1. Third to Paul Warren, who's missed the last two games with a calf injury. So um, Paul's going to skip. He's got a calf complaint. Um, Phil McCann's had a knee operation, and he's going to play third to him now. I mean, I know uh, in the interest of transparency, you know, we, we, we try and give as much analysis as we can, and obviously where I'm a little bit privy to more information on this sort of topic. But, you know, um, Phil played in, in Paul Warren's rink the start of the year, the first three games, and they didn't win a game. And then all of a sudden he was shifted across to Paul Nichols's rink, and I was shifted as part of that move as well. Um, and then a few weeks ago, um, Paul, Paul Warren um, had Dennis Beck, asked for Dennis Beck as his third and took him off Dennis Smythe, which I know didn't... Um, didn't impress Dennis too much because he wanted to hold on to Dennis Beck. Um, thought he was playing quite well as his second. But anyway, he ended up as Paul Warren's third and, um, you know, wanted to shore up his rink a little bit. And then, lo and behold, four weeks later, they've dropped him down to Division 2 to qualify him. So he's gone from wanting him as his third to dropping him to the twos to qualify him to put in a bloke who he didn't want, any, you know, who he shifted out of his rink at the start of the season and hasn't played for, you know, a couple of months. It certainly makes zero sense to me for a team in the Division 1 top four to be trying to qualify blokes for Division 2 finals. That just says, we know we're not up to it. Let's try and win a flag somewhere else. And, and, the, and the issue is um, our spot's not even secure yet. So, you know, like we can still drop out if we get swept the next two weeks and we play Hilltop the last round. Um, so are, are, are they picking the best side or are they trying to keep people happy, Brian? Well, it's hard to uh, disagree with your comments. Now, it's, 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 not, it's not a knock on Phil McCann. I mean, he's, no, if, no, if no, he's no. making himself available to play, he's entitled to make himself available. But surely the selectors would have thought, well, he hasn't played a game for six weeks. Surely we need to have a, one look at him in the twos rather than bring him in for the biggest, our biggest game of the year under lights on a Friday to play third with a dicky knee. Yeah, and what about, is Paul Warren fit to play, though? 
Well, that's he right. He pulled out the last two weeks. Well, yeah, exactly. He named himself to come back last week and then pulled out basically, you know, on the eve of the this game. Could, this could be just a bit of a, um, a furphy. He may not play and Dennis Beck will skip a game. Oh, I don't think it's a furphy. I think the fact that it's Shep Golf, um, I think it might be a bit of an ego thing. He wants to skip. In the on the in on the big stage against Shep Golf and because he beat Brad all last year and they had, Shep Park had a good win under lights so I think he would have gone oh look I'll just give myself one more out against Stanhope we play Shep Golf the week after I'll make sure I'm right and um, you know I'll, I'll I'll be right for the big stage that's what that's what it but it seems like now Dennis Beck's probably not going to get back in and he was bowling quite well up until last week where he had a big loss all because they want to qualify him for Div Two. Well, you wouldn't find many instances where a guy skipped two weeks ago and he won. Next week he gets beaten comfortably, but he's only he's got three other players playing with him. Yep. And then he can't even get a game in the top side. Yeah, so. and, and, and the other thing I can't understand as well is Jeff Boyle's second in that rink and he's constantly overlooked to, to go up and play third. Like they moved Paul Beecroft from lead above Jeff Boyle to play third and then, and then this week they've done the same thing. They've left Jeff Boyle a second and they've put Phil in who hasn't played for six weeks and has had a knee operation. So why are they constantly overlooking Jeff Boyle? Yeah, well, that's a very good point. I I, I thought Boyle he would have got an opportunity to play third. Well, he's a, I've, I've seen him play third. He's in, had a good season. He skipped in Division 2, played a lot of third in Division 2. He's more than up to the task for mine. Yes. No, no, but every con- I um, endorse your comments uh, wholeheartedly to say we're... We're not, um, we're not, we're not the Shep Park Bowls show here. We we uh, treat everyone on the same merit, and we're probably a bit hard on, yeah, a bit hard on the club. But um, well, probably because I feel we sorry have... for Dennis Beck because if he didn't want to go down, it doesn't do his confidence much good either. Well, I think in talking in dispatches, I think he was well aware of the situation and thought that he might go down. It, but what if Division Two misses the finals? Because they're, they're no certainties. They've only just snuck into fourth this week. They play Nagambi, the bottom side, but then they play Shep Golf the last round. So if they lose that game, they could fall out of Division Yeah, they're two. not Suddenly, guaranteed. They're a good chance, but nothing, they're not guaranteed. So I think the point I'm trying to make is, would you rather someone who's played the last few games in Division 1 fully fit, or are you going to risk someone who hasn't played since Christmas yeah. playing third on a dicey knee who wasn't really wanted in that rink by Paul Warren after three rounds this year? Yeah, I think Phil probably would have been better suited to to play third in Division 2. Yeah, just to I'm see how he gets through it. it. And just less pressure on him, and if it's still a good stand, and then if he, if he has a good game, well, he gets... Considered for promotion the following week. Well, and because I don't Becky where he was. Well, because I don't know where I don't know whether we're going to have a break on Friday night or just play straight through. But imagine playing straight through and you've you know you've, you've got a sore knee or a sore calf or something like that, and you, you can bet your bottom dollar that that um, Shep Golf and Brad Orr will slow the game down and make it as long and drawn out as possible. And they've got a point to prove, Shep Golf too. Hal hath no fury like a Brad Orr scorned. He'll remember. Last week, last year's re- result, especially losing his rink in that on that occasion, and they'll be going for the eighteen nil um, humiliation job. It'll be eighteen nil for me. Now, well, I'll pick Shep Park fourteen four by two shots. Well, I'm I'm ju- I'm just hoping um, the little selection controversy doesn't doesn't backfire too much, and you know we just need to get something out of the game, but. Uh, we're under I'm under no illusions that Chep goes the benchmark, and I think this might be their night. Fair comment. Before we wrap up, Brian, the uh, Bowls Vic Victorian Open has been uh, the dates have been confirmed for this year. So uh, everyone, get your entries in when they uh, when they're uh, available to, to to enter. It's always a great tournament for the region, but also for uh, for bowlers themselves. I've enjoyed my couple of. Games in it, uh, and couple is the operative word there because I haven't gone past the uh, the sectional play. But uh, uh, Friday, November nineteen to Friday, November twenty six. So uh, the caravan parks will be selling out already. Ash, yeah, well, um, accommodations generally booked sort of within a 40, 40 to minutes to an hour radius around here with you know bowlers coming up, and particularly after missing last year due to due to COVID. We'd hope to see entries sort of come in, in, in thick and fast, maybe look at record numbers having missed last year's opportunity to play. Yeah, look, I know for one I'm looking forward to it. Uh, 
I'll probably just play in the pairs, but the participation rate by a lot of players mm. all over, you don't have to qualify, so I reckon it'll be the biggest one they've had. Yeah, certainly, and you know, with those um, pairs, triples, mixed pairs events, you always see that's where the um, the high participation rate is. Not a lot of players, or not everyone likes playing singles, but certainly to be able to play pairs and triples and mixed pairs with your mates or your partner or, or whatever, that's where that's the beauty of the Vic Open for mine. Off the top of my head, uh, record entries lands somewhere in the three thousand range, and okay. I, I reckon we can certainly. Push that uh, up into the 4,000s uh, this year. And I think we used 18 different bowls clubs at, in on one day. Um, not Obviously not last year, but last event. And uh, surely we can get that up into the 20s. Well, you look at the clubs that it's expanded to over the journey. Like when the Vic Open first started, Benalla wasn't hosting games. And you got um, Strathmerton and clubs like that. It's just gone... Gangbusters, in, and you know, now expanding south towards you know your Avenals and Nagambis and things like that. So the more players, the more clubs will need, and that's that's only a positive. It'll be well, crucial for the coffers of, of some of those smaller clubs. Absolutely, um, yeah. you know that the 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 impact that a, a day of of bowlers, uh, a day of full greens, and up to some of them up to four or five days of full greens. Mm. Um, you think of all the lunches, all the beverages, yes, um, everything that that goes with it, all the raffles. Um, you know, that's enough to keep a small club going for a year. Exactly. And, um, you know, particularly with those those sectional days and the amount of clubs that are involved, um, you know, you get a couple of big drinkers there that uh, lose their first sectional game and they settle in for the day. It can certainly you know, make the clubs worthwhile with all the volunteers that, that are needed to host it. Yeah. Look, it's just um, something to put in your calendar and something to look forward to once this season's over. Should we mention also as well, Tyler, that um, we're working on live streaming of the grand final? Well, we certainly are working. Uh, the the Alan Matheson Shield grand final, uh, we look like after the Jack will be live streaming it. Uh, I don't know if we have to get permission from the uh, the, the, the division or Shep Park, but uh, we'll just uh, we'll say, uh, we'll, we'll ask forgiveness, not permission, uh, and say that we're going to live stream it. Um, uh, no one's got any issues with us promoting bowls to uh, as many people as possible, and um, there's obviously some sponsorship opportunities available, Brian. If anyone yes, wants to I'll be uh, working on those get in and, touch, and I hear that from a good source that there'll be a grand final breakfast hosted by Shep Park. It won't be a sit-down meal, but there'll be bacon and egg rolls, for example. Yep. There'll be beer, wine, tea, coffee. Yep. There'll be a guest speaker. I believe the rumour is that they're trying to get Matty Flapper up and they're hoping to get a comedian as well. Well, are you putting your hand up for the comedian's role, Brian? No, I've got to leave that to Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. No, thank you again for joining us on After the Jack, uh, Brian and Ash. Uh, Another another great episode in the books, uh, if I don't say so myself. Thanks for having us, um, Tyler. Much appreciated and uh, looking forward to the business end of the season. Yeah, thanks very much, Tyler. I thought it was a good program, and thanks for sharing us through it. The uh, the whips, thanks, the whips are cracking now, and uh, we'll take you all the way through right to the grand final. So uh, make sure you tune in again next week. After the Jack is brought to you by the Shepherd and Bowl Shop. For all your lawn bowling needs, visit Lee and Chantel Wakenshaw at one hundred and one Friar Street, Shepparton, or phone five eight two one one double five six. That was After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production.